0: Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir!
1: Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Hey, welcome to episode 13 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam Fauser with Fauser Consulting. Today on episode 13, or should we call it episode 12.2 and keep that 13 out? Hmm, tough choice. I think we'll go with 13. Today we're going to have where we've been. We're going to talk some training because that's what we do. There may be an ad in there once or twice about a mini-con that's going to be certainly exciting. We're going to talk about the book from Jeff Filderman called Clone Yourself. We'll do my very favorite segment, Taken. We're going to do an interview. We're going to have part two of the Patrick Doyle interview. You won't want to miss that. We'll talk about where we're heading, and then we will land this plane. Drew, how the heck you been? Sam, I've been fantastic. Two weeks on the
2: road has me energized and happy to to help folks along the way. How about you? Let's, in fact, since I mentioned, I've been on the road for two weeks, why don't we start with that and why don't you tell everybody where you've been?
1: You know, I have actually been at home a lot, which is nice for once. I've been working on the garage and uh, getting that ready to go but uh, also been talking to a few clients and getting some stuff ready here. So really not a lot to to mention for me on where I've been. How about you? Tell us where you've been. Well, you know, Sam,
2: since last we talked, I was out in Tennessee driving around helping uh, Brian Hamilton's supervisors out, a little one-on-one coaching, some individual development plans, IDPs in the corporate world. And then last week, I got to visit Mickey Tingen and his group out in Greensboro. Uh, For those of you in North Carolina, it is Greensboro and do the BTY visit system with his franchisees. And then I was lucky enough on Friday to go to my old stomping grounds and uh, see my friends over in the Patterson companies as we
1: talked about ways I can go and help them later in the year. That sounds amazing. And let me make sure I've got that pronunciation right. It's Greensboro. Greensboro. Yeah. Nice. I saw uh on the Facebook that after you got done with Mickey and his group, that he posted some stuff. It seemed like he was pretty happy with what happened there. He was.
2: You know, it's it's kind of fun when you can go into a store that's got an admittedly very large delivery area, which usually means services, eh, and labor is eh. And uh, run a 20 and 20 on a, on a day with no, no added help from the supervisors, us doing nothing but watching and, and helping a little tweak, a little coach here. It's kind of nice to see a 20% labor and a 20 minute ADT. Don't tell folks.
1: Wow. A 20 and 20. And it seems to me we were talking before we were recording that uh, their numbers were a little bit higher than that. Uh, in fact, substantially higher than that before putting in some of the tips and techniques from the Better Than Yesterday Supervisor system. Uh, Yeah, it was mostly uh, stuff that ended with sixes and sevens. So, yes. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. It's good to know that you're out there making a difference. And uh, for anyone listening that's got multi-unit supervisors, for any of our franchisees that have grown exponentially in the last few years, we know there's a couple of you out there and you're looking for help of getting those supervisors to be more effective, creating a difference inside the store. I can't recommend the better than yesterday supervisor system more. Hey, thanks for that, Sam. It means a lot when
2: consultants can you know recommend each other.
1: Yeah, right. how about that? What do you say we talk some training?
2: You know, Sam, I think we should actually do like the podcast says and talk some training.
1: I'm all about it. Fly. Wings. So we've been talking a lot in this segment about staffing and about retention and it's a big need and we're still seeing it all over the Facebook posts, but I think we should talk about something different today. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to, to change it up a bit. What do you think? Ooh, I love change, Sam. Change. Change is actually my middle name.
2: Drew Change McGuber. That's that's how the name works.
1: McGuber, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Who knew? Dang. <laughs> all right. Let's start with some training basics, because I think what I'm seeing is there's all these new initiatives at Domino's Pizza. And people are really excited about them. Some exciting stuff is going on. And sometimes I think maybe we take our eye off the ball of what we do, and that's take orders and make pizzas. And it seems like some folks are struggling out there with training people how to do the basic tasks because we're so worried about the new and exciting stuff. So, man, I'd love to talk about just order taking or maybe pizza making today. What do you think about that?
2: You know, I've been in a couple client stores where where they have AI answering phones. So I don't hear the phone ring a lot. And I'm a huge fan of making pizzas, but at the volume, I don't I don't know if I want to start somebody there. So I think you and I should actually debate
1: how we start new team members. Oh, I like it. The debate. Okay. So since this is your idea, I'm going to let you have the floor first and you do the point, And then I'm going to jump in with the counterpoint. So, Drew Helmholtz, the floor is yours.
2: All right, Sam. So here's my point. I think in today's hiring environment, we need to get folks moving as quickly as possible to the role they're hired in. I can tell you 20 years ago as a general manager, when I hired a driver, they spent three days on the phone. They spent three to four shifts on the inside. So it was at least a week before they took their first delivery. And today's environment, I don't see how that's feasible anymore. If my oldest daughter can go and apply it shipped and in 48 hours be making money as a shipped driver, why are we having our Drivers go through seven to 10 days of back and forth and harassment and, and aggravation. Let's get them driving. So, so my plan to start a new team member is get them through why Domino's pizza, get them through some safety training because we need the safety training and then get them on the road. And if you're a driver, you should be on the road in four hours making money. If you're a CSR, you should be on the phone in four hours, answering a pizza, answering a call. And if you're hired as a pizza maker, that's right. I said, hired as a pizza maker, you should be able to top at least pepperoni in the first four hours. So that's where I'm at, Sam, that, that in four hours, you should be able to do the job you're hired for to a start. I'm not saying you're Dennis Train on pizza at four hours. I'm saying that you can count to 40 and get some pepperoni on there.
1: This is going to be a really crappy debate. And the reason is not because I'm about to shred what you just said with my wonderful uh, ability to debate. It's because I agree with you. I'm so glad that we actually didn't rehearse this ahead of
2: time and thought this through completely. So go ahead, I'm sorry to interrupt.
1: Yeah, I'm in completely the same boat. I mean, when I used to train people, you know, back before some of our listeners were born, I was always, you gotta answer the phones first because if you're a driver, once you get the taste of that money, you're never gonna wanna come off the road to answer phones. But with the volumes that our stores are doing today, and we're really hiring specialists now instead of generalists, you know, drivers drive. So you're right. They got to get out there, they gotta start making money. And I, I think that's gonna oh my gosh, you know what's gonna happen here, Drew? I'm I'm gonna slip right back into retention. I think that's gonna help your retention. If people
2: <laughs> it all comes back to the
1: same stuff. If people are doing the job they were hired to do, it's going to make them feel like they made the right choice. So we've got some folks out there that have been doing this for a minute. And the old standard of training was teach them the phones first, and then teach them whatever else they need to teach beyond that. But Drew hit the nail on the head. And that is... If you're hiring drivers and you're short staffed now, they're not going to be in the store that much anyway. Why are you going to spend that first day, two days, three days teaching them phones when they're going to be on the road? Now, if your volume is such that they're going to be answering phones, then I would teach them how to answer phones. But we don't have a lot of stores in that situation. I'm seeing exactly what Drew's seeing. And, you know, if I'm hired as a pizza maker, I want to be making pizzas. If I'm hired as a delivery driver, I want to be delivering pizzas. If I'm hired as a customer service rep that's going to be handling the phones and doing the counter, then that's what you should be teaching me. And I think that's going to help you with your retention. So Sam, as I do Learning Hub for folks, I try and explain this
2: concept to folks. And I'm going to share a couple clients real quick. So the Garrity's who I helped, and we had Cassie on the fabulous podcast a couple episodes back. She hires to... Position, So she doesn't have CSRs anymore. She has cashiers. She has pizza makers. She has the title for what you would understand as the job outside the store, because that's what people apply for. Then you go to somebody like Kevin Shaw, who was our very first interview in episode one, and he's now running like 100% bag and tag. So the drivers don't even come into the store during a dinner rush in half or so of his stores. Why? train them on stuff they're not gonna use. So let's let's give them the tools they need to do this role as quickly as possible. Once they're average or better at it, two, three weeks, we can talk about adding stuff into it, but oh my gosh, let's just get them doing what we hired them to do, and then we can move on from there.
1: You know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about good to great and built to last, and Jim Collins was really big on this hedgehog principle. And I think that it would be great if we started to think about our team members, much like your client Cassie thinks about them, and they should have hedgehog roles. So what is my hedgehog role? And that's what I should train them to be the most efficient at. Now, some of our listeners right now are saying, listen, Drew, listen, Sam, you don't get it. We need to cross train. We need to have a team that can do everything because of those slow times. And I would agree with that. After you've trained them on their hedgehog assignment, after they're an expert at what you hired them to do, after you've started to identify someone that's got a future in your organization and leadership, then yes, absolutely. Teach them how to do everything. There's nothing more valuable than a well-trained, well-rounded team member. But the truth of the matter is, if you've got 10 people on your schedule, 20 people on your schedule, 30 people on your schedule, you don't need 30 well-rounded team members. You probably need 20 specialists and 10 well-rounded team members. And you've got to wrap your head around that. The ability for you to grow and for you to be successful is for you to have the ability to change what you think used to be the way we do things. If you don't change with the times and change with the needs of your business, you're going to become a dinosaur and we all know what happened to the dinosaurs. You know, Sam, I'm I'm a huge fan of of extinction level events on the
2: movie screen, but only only on the movie screen. Let's stop for a second and imagine if you would a restaurant. Let me name drop a restaurant. Let's say Chili's. I happen to have Chili's the other day when my plane flight got canceled for the first time in 16 months. So let's talk Chili's. Did you happen to get some baby back, baby back, baby back ribs? No, I don't do the ribs. I do Southwest egg rolls. Nice. Southwest egg rolls. So Chili's. Imagine if you would for a second that Chili's employed the same personnel distribution that a, that a Domino's did. So your waiter or waitress is also the front end hostess if nobody is, or host if nobody's there. And when the bartender steps away, they also jump in behind the bar te- bar to, to do that. Oh, by the way, my Southwest egg rolls are running a little behind. So why don't you hop in, throw an apron on. Like when is the last time in a restaurant you watched your waiter or waitress do every role in the, in the restaurant? They don't. They do what they're asked to do. And then they might do one other thing, right? After the rush, you might see them bust a table because all the tables are backed up and the bus boys can't handle it. You don't see a bus boy come out in the nasty apron to take your order. Like, like we've got to start thinking bigger. And if you start thinking bigger, then the people you hire do one thing. And then once they do it well, you can talk about adding side things. Can I, can I rant for one more second, Sam? Absolutely. Have you ever seen the shell game You know where you, you take the, like, the marble and you put it under a cup and you move the cups
1: around? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've lost a dollar or two at the beach.
2: Right? More and more, especially on like the make line and stores lately, the cross-trained team members are working like the cups in a shell game. They keep moving around each other. They're cycling around because they all think they're the best in at that spot. And they're moving. And I've got this minute of video that watches like six pizzas get made. And these poor team members are saying they've got to walk like 400 steps in this minute. Why are you working so hard? If we all just stop and do our thing right in front of us and move the pizza, not the person. Life gets easier. Life gets less complicated. And when life is less complicated, people usually have more fun. Wait
1: a second. If it's easier, less complicated, and they're having more fun. Gosh, darn it. Guess where we're going again.
2: They might stay longer, Sam. And if they stay longer, that's called.
1: Retention. I love this oh debate. My gosh. Format.
2: This debate format's the best thing we've ever done, Sam.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I think our our debating skills are under question, but certainly our tactical skills for helping people with retention are not. And you know, it's funny you mentioned the restaurant because I was talking to Chris Farmer yesterday and he said, and I kid you not, I can't make this up. He said, we've got to stop thinking about our places as pizza stores and we've got to start thinking about them as full service restaurants. And you know, we weren't necessarily talking about about it the way that you just talked about it, but it all ties in. I mean, you're absolutely right. I do not want to see the dishwasher jump behind the bar to make my Long Island iced tea because, oh my (laughs) gosh. Something really bad is going to happen. And if I'm walking into a Domino's pizza store and you've got an open kitchen and now you're on cutting edge and the cut table is not hidden at all, and some driver is pulling pizzas from the oven and he's got a jacket on that looks like he just changed the oil in his car, that is not a great Domino's pizza experience for me. And we've got to think about those things. So I'm so glad we're on the same side of the aisle for this one, Mr. Helmholtz. Uh, Nicely played. Great, uh, great stuff. What about anything else for order taking or pizza making to help with retention or help people get up to speed? I think the only thing
2: I would add, Sam, would be identify who your trainer is. Again, it's too busy as a manager to train every team member. I'm a huge fan of the manager starting the training, explaining what the process is, explaining what the day looks like. But then, oh my gosh, pass them off to one of your team members that do the job the right way and let your team know that, you know, hey, Sam, Drew's starting today. Uh, for the next two hours, you're going to show them how to take orders. Or Drew's starting today for the next two two hours, you're, he's going to ride along with you. Then you'll ride along with him. Like, like tell the trainer what the deal is ahead of time so that the trainer can train the new team members effectively. Holy cow. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's, but it is, but Drew science, but drew,
1: but drew I'm the best trainer. I'm the one that has to train them. Uh, What I hear you saying is maybe you should learn how to clone yourself. You know what?
2: Thank you, Sam. For like, I was almost holding a sign up on the video saying, reference book. Now that was, that was awesome. Good job.
1: Yeah. So I think after the ad, let's jump into this week's book, which is going to help us learn more about why we shouldn't do everything. Let's hear from our sponsors. Hey, Sam,
2: we've discussed so many topics in this podcast, but I thought it was time for us to stop talking and start
1: training. That's a great idea, Drew. Hey, listeners, join us on July 20th for Drew and Sam Train Leadership. It's a mini-con event. During that event, you'll hear from a keynote speaker.
2: You'll choose from two of three breakouts full-fledged expectations, holding them able with
1: accountability and recognized with an impact. But wait, there's more. You'll also have an opportunity to network with our other listeners of this podcast. Now, on some podcasts,
2: you may pay hundreds of dollars for this two hours, but no, with us, just $49 gets you access to this event. Wow, what a bargain.
1: To register, go to trainwithbty.com. That's trainwithbty.com, all
2: one word, dot com. Do
1: it today. What are you waiting for? All right. Great ad for the Mini-Con. And if you haven't registered yet, don't waste another minute because it is coming up in just a matter of a day or two. If you're listening to this podcast and it's already past July 20th, then you missed this one. But good news there will be more. Will there be more, Drew? Oh, there absolutely will be more. In
2: fact, Sam, for the listeners who are listening between or before July 19th, let's say before July 19th, if you're hearing this and you haven't yet registered for the podcast, I'm going to be super nice to you right now and give you a $10 discount if you use the coupon code GM, as in general manager. You'll get $10 off if you register before July 19th. The Mini-Con is on July 20th.
1: Fantastic. Again, that coupon code for $10 off the ridiculously low price of $49 bucks is coupon code GM as in general manager. So register today. In fact, pause the podcast right now and find the link and go and register for that. You're not going to want to miss it. All right, let's jump back into episode number 13. Let's talk about a book right after we hear from my friend Burgess Meredith.
0: Books, books, all the books I'll need, all the books,
1: all the books I'll ever want. All right, thanks for that, Burgess, as always. Drew, we talked about Clone Yourself, a book from 2017, author Jeff Hilderman, and I thought it was a pretty darn good book. Let's jump into it, shall we? Michelle, uh, first, I want to thank the Amazon algorithm
2: for throwing this one at me As, as we're doing these podcasts and we're looking for leadership books. Amazon threw this one at me and said, you should buy it. And because I buy beer and wine based on the label, this book cover is spectacular, made me giggle. And once I read the first chapter, I was hooked. How about you, Sam?
1: Yeah, the first chapter hooked me really well. Book is laid out fantastically. And uh big shout out to Jeff Bezos. I know you're not the CEO any longer, but yeah, the algorithm worked. So um something's going right at Amazon. I think you may have a future in the business. <laughs> Sam, you
2: and I have talked a lot that we like books that are fables. I think that very quickly on my list are books that are work manuals. Because this one. Very much gives you step-by-step, step, this is how you do it, this is how you do it, this is how you do it, including the links to the resources if you don't feel like recreating the wheel, which I'm such a huge fan of. So let's actually get into some of the meat and potatoes of what Clone Yourself is about, Sam.
1: Yeah, I like it. Chapter one starts off, hits the ground running, talks about cloning yourself as the act of working yourself out of a job, which sounds a little scary. How? Why do I want to work myself out of a job? And the reason you want to work yourself out of a job is so that you can have upward mobility. The easiest way for you to take the next step in your career is to train your replacement, or as Jeff says, clone yourself and make sure somebody can backfill your position. So you want to make sure that you're doing that. And then he goes on to say that every business has a tipping point where it's no longer feasible for you to be the immediate person in charge. Now, for us, that tipping point, is simple the average domino's pizza store is open for a hundred hours per week there's a point where it's not feasible for you to be in charge unless you want to be there a hundred hours per week and i don't know anybody that's making the conscious choice to be at their store for a hundred hours per week i know some of our listeners are there far longer than they need to be because well they just don't have enough folks. And we appreciate what you're doing out there and working hard and and making an impact. But the truth of the matter is you've got to train some folks to be your clone. So that customers are getting great experiences all the time. Sam, it's
2: not just about the clone piece. I love all of the stuff he talks about with like vision and mission statements and setting up a culture coming from the corporate side. there There may have been a point in my career where... I had the corporate vision statement. I had an executive vice president who laid out a vision statement for his division. I had a VP above me who laid out a vision statement for his team. And I'm like, hey, that's great. I have now three vision statements that I have to work off of. And now you're telling me I need to create one for my team. So my team will have four. Oh, my God, this is nuts. And Jeff lays it out. Perfectly on how you use those statements. Not everybody has one, but you use it as the building block to build your culture. It's a spectacular way to lay it out. And for those of you listening that are growing, you know who you are, franchisees that went from four to 17 in six months and four to 40 in a year. And logos, vision statements, mission statements, mantras. Oh my gosh. All this stuff helps build that culture. And by the way, if you don't assign it, your team will create it for you. And then you don't know what it is. I
1: think that we've probably got some listeners that are saying, hey, listen, I'm an AM. I'm a GM. I don't need to dive into chapters 9 through 13 all that much because it is all about culture, mission, vision and guiding principles. If you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you've got aspirations for bigger things, which could include up to becoming a franchisee. And if you've got a clear idea of what you want as a culture when you become a franchisee or what you want your mission or vision to be, you're going to be a step ahead of most people that are jumping into the franchise ring for the first time. I know you're going to be way ahead of where I was when I jumped into the franchise ring for the first time. You've got to think about these things if you want to be successful. And if you don't want to be successful, then gosh darn it, don't become a franchisee.
2: Or a GM. Just drive. Just drive fine if you don't want to be successful it's fine yeah so sam there's stuff in here I, i didn't do when i was starting my company and i'm actually set this week to do it since i was reading this while i was on the road it talks about the core values and inward and outward goals to your point of of the gm like i get it right some of you gms and supervisors your franchisee may not have this then go ask them talk them through it or make your own it's perfectly fine they talk about performance standards. Sam, you and I have talked about performance standards before about showing up on time, right? About that full-fledged expectation And it's amazing how they talk about performance standards as being like the company standards. This is what you need to do to get in the door. And then your service standards are what you need to do to excel at your location and what makes your spot different than the others. Sam, I think I told you, and I was maybe halfway through at the time when I said it to you, I was already going to take this book and turn it into workshops for franchisees because, oh my gosh, setting up these core values and these visions and mission statements. It's not about, I have a goal, the OER. That's not what this is about. This is about who you want to be. When people look at your organization, who is it you want them to see? And then creating a team around that.
1: The book just resonated so well with what we're trying to accomplish for our clients and what the brand is trying to accomplish for its customers i mean when you talk about performance standards and service standards we've already got great standards that we should be doing the question becomes does our team know exactly what those standards are and are they performing to those levels and most importantly are you holding people accountable and have you made them able so that you can hold them accountable to those standards do they know the five elements of a great pizza rim size portion placement and bake Can they say it because if they can't say it if they don't know it how can they deliver a great pizza so you know again if they know how to do their job if they know what your vision is if they've got performance and service standards they're going to want to stay longer and oh my gosh here we are again talking about retention even in the book review
2: It just keeps coming back, Sam. I think we're at a good spot where we can talk about, is this going in the backpack, on the desk, on the shelf, or in the donation bin?
1: Well, for me, this one is going to make me buy a bigger backpack because it's definitely going in the backpack. This is a must read for anybody that wants to be successful in this business because now more than ever... You've got to have some clones if you're going to run your store well. You've got to have some clones if you're going to become a multi-unit franchisee and be successful. So for me, without a doubt, this is a slam dunk into the backpack for me. How about you, Drew? Nope. We're going to differ again. This
2: one's not going in the backpack for me, Sam.
1: Are you going to add another category?
2: Why? Yes. Because this one is actually going to be "I am buying it and just shipping it to people who I already work with or have worked with. It's going to be in all of my clients' mailboxes within the next three weeks, because oh my gosh, like I said, it's a manual. It tells you exactly what to do step by step. He actually even tells you that the first four chapters should take you thirty days. It's okay to put the book down. Come back when you've done steps X, y, and Z. So yes, I'm actually adding a buy it and send it," because that's exactly what I'm going to do. Wow. Gift it. Is gift it better than buy it and
1: send it or buy it? And, do you like buy it and send it? I like buy it and send it because I want them to know right. who bought it. Although I guess if you gifted some, although you could re-gift. I mean, we could do a whole episode on re-gifting and how bad it is. I don't re-gift anything except wine, but that's a different
2: story for a different day.
1: All right. So I'm in the backpack uh, only because yep. buy it and ship it wasn't an option when I made my choice and Drew ever changing the rules as we go. But the good news about this new rule is it's gonna benefit some clients. So Drew will be buying it and shipping it to clients. And if you've been a client of Fouser Consulting, there may be a book in your future as well, because gosh darn it, that's a darn good idea.
2: It kind of is on this one. Hey, Hey, Sam, speaking of that, we have people listening that aren't our clients. I know, shocking, but true. I think we should offer a book up one book to one of them. How do you think they could uh, get the book, Sam?
1: I think that the easiest way for a listener of Drew and Sam talk training to get a book would be to go to your favorite podcasting uh, site and follow us or like us or subscribe or do whatever that button is telling you to do. And at the end of the week, we will look at all our subscribers, throw those names in a hat, and we'll pull a name out. And if they're a client, then they're already getting a book. So we'll pull a second name. We will pull names until it's someone that's not a client. So if you want a chance to win this book, go to your favorite podcasting site and make sure you subscribe. And all of our subscribers will be entered in to win. A book from Jeff Hilderman,
2: Clone Yourself. To be eligible to win, you need to be a subscriber of Drew and Sam Talk Training on any of the podcast platforms by July 23rd. That's Friday, July 23rd. That's your legal for this episode. Current clients need not apply because you will already get a book. And I think we need to hear from our friend, everyone's friend, because if you're not his friend, well, Liam Neeson, take it away. I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. All right, Sam, what have you taken from the stores?
1: So for me, I've been in the house lately, but my taken actually is going to come from the book from Clone Yourself by Jeff Hilderman. And he talks about, he quoted Mike Tyson, believe it or not. And what he said was, and when I say he, I mean, Mike, is everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And I think that is a great way to look at the current situation in Domino's pizza. Everybody's got a plan when they walk through the door and then the rush hits and they get punched in the face. And I think the folks that are doing a great job are the people that have the ability to make sure that they're thinking on their feet that they've got great situational awareness. They understand who the players are, not who the players should have been, and yet somebody called off, but they're doing the best they can with what they got with where they are at. And they're constantly calling audibles based on the personnel they've got. They're calling audibles based on the amount of business that's going in. They're doing what they need to do to absolutely deliver the best possible Domino's Pizza experience given the circumstances that they have. I think the people that are failing miserably, quite frankly, are the people that are saying, oh, woe well, was me. Two people called off. We're going to give bad service and that's just the way it is. Let's get through the night. Let's get the store, store to clean, lock up, and tomorrow is another day we got to get out of that mindset and we've got to make sure that we're doing the very best we can with what we've got and that we're constantly hustling and that oh gosh I don't know that we're leading with some sort of positive energy so so Ooh, my positive energy yeah how about that so my take in is all about having a great plan and then being able to have situational awareness so that when you get punched in the face which you will to do what you need to do to make sure that you get back up and, and you go the full distance. You, you play every round of the fight until closing bell. How about you, Drew? What are you taking from the store? I'm taking integrity, Sam. I got to, to help a couple of
2: supervisors this week. The store we went into Mickey, the franchisee had a, had an issue. He's like, you know, the service looks really good on paper, but their CSAT is one of my worst. And that doesn't make sense to me. It was really nice to see the supervisors go through a couple reports that showed them where and how the service was, not what it looked like on paper, how we asked a couple questions. And I say integrity because they have a chance then we're short staffed; We don't have enough management people. So how do we deal with this? And they had the the opportunity to kind of, well, put it under the carpet and walk away from it. And they chose not to. They chose to pull the GM aside, explain that they saw what he was doing, that, that it's unacceptable, and that now that he's been caught, it's time to not ever do what he was doing again. And if he does, then, then other things will happen. And it was nice to see the supervisors take that on, head on, instead of, well, being an ostrich and burying their head and hoping it'll just resolve itself later. So I'm a huge fan of integrity. From the book, Clone Yourself, he talks about core values. My number one is integrity. If if you and I can't be honest, there's nothing there. So it was nice to see the soups jump in and get all over that. And it wasn't that they had to go and fire somebody. They didn't have to grab them by the belt and throw them out of the store. But just confronting it was amazing because the service that night dropped seven minutes. And at least now it's honest and they know where to work to fix it.
1: A couple of things to build on with that because I'm a huge fan of integrity as well. First of all, there's all kinds of pressures from the general managers to run numbers, run numbers, run numbers. If you are inaccurately reporting your data, you are not running your numbers. Just just this just in, if you are.
2: <laughs> so what you're telling me, Sam, is if I'm doing 110 on the highway, but my speedometer's broken and says I'm doing 35, I'm not doing 35.
1: That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you if you're number one on the leaderboard, because you've been inaccurately reporting your data. You are not number one on the leaderboard and all of your peers know it. And they're talking about you and your ears are ringing because everybody is talking about you. I know you want to run a great ADT. I know you want to have great load times. I know you want to have all of these great numbers. If your numbers aren't real, you can't identify where the root causes of your problems are and your customers aren't getting great experiences. And you should be in this for the long term. And if the numbers are bad, the numbers are bad. Let's figure out why they're bad and let's move forward. Integrity, integrity, integrity. It's so important. That is a great take Drew. Hey, thanks, Sam. Let's uh, hear from a sponsor. Good chance is going to be about the Mini-Con. Hurry, it's coming soon. Register today. Hey, Sam, we've discussed so many topics in this podcast, but I thought it was
2: time for us to stop talking and start training.
1: That's a great idea, Drew. Hey, listeners, join us on July 20th for Drew and Sam Train Leadership. It's a Mini-Con event. During that
2: event, you'll hear from a keynote speaker. You'll choose from two of three breakouts full-fledged expectations, holding them able with accountability and recognized with an impact.
1: But wait, there's more. You'll also have an opportunity to network with our other listeners of this podcast.
2: Now, on some podcasts, you may pay hundreds of dollars for this two hours, but no, with us, just $49 gets you access to this event. Wow, what a bargain.
1: To register, go to trainwithbty.com. That's
2: trainwithbty.com. All one word, T-R-A-I-N dot com. Do it today. What are you waiting for? All right. That was the ad for the MiniCon that's coming up again. If you're listening after July 20th, it's already come and gone. However, I bet there's more MiniCons coming. I believe we're moving it to quality virtual training experience because that sounds so much more fun. Let's get to the interview. Here's part two of the Patrick Doyle interview. I know. In part one, we didn't mention that there was part two. But then we listened to it and we were like, you know what, we need part two. So here is part two of former CEO, Patrick Doyle.
1: mentioned that at team usa you found that the grinding execution was something that wasn't necessarily in your wheelhouse and one of the other videos that stan showed yesterday at the rally was an interview he did with tom and if tom said the key to the business was handle the rush once he said it 500 times over and over and over again and you mentioned that your time as CEO, that the technology was really, really important. One of the books that Ru and I have just gotten done reading and we did a review on the last podcast was Good to Great. And in Good to Great, Jim Collins says that technology is an accelerator. It shouldn't be your hedgehog principle. I think that sometimes we've changed from a pizza company that dabbles in technology to a technology company that's dabbling in pizza. And don't no. get me wrong, I think everything we've rolled out technology-wise is doing an amazing job. But for me, I want to make sure that you know all of our franchisees and all of our operators understand that people are using OLO to order pizza. No. And that rim-size portion placement bake <laughs> still got to be important. Yeah. What do we need to do to make sure that people understand that the fundamentals are still the cornerstones of the business, that product service and image, although very boring and very tedious. And as you said, grinding execution on a daily basis, how do we get that back to the forefront? So people understand that while we're rolling out cutting edge and while we're rolling out drivers with DSS and GPS, that we've still got to make a great pizza.
0: Yeah. Well, so the first thing is, it's interesting you you raise this because I have seen myself kind of secondhand quoted a number of times as saying we're a technology company that happens to sell pizza. I really don't believe I ever said that. I and and you know I challenge you or, or anybody who's listening to the podcast to find of me
1: actually saying that. Listen, I'm smart enough not to take a challenge from you. No, no, no. no. That's not going to happen. Take (laughs) it, because
0: I know I'm actually kind of curious, because I don't know, maybe it happened once, but I don't think so. I do believe that we needed in Ann Arbor with our technology team and at some level, ops and marketing and and others would, would feed in from an order taking perspective That we did need to think like a technology company. Right. And, you know, we needed to benchmark ourselves against the very best against the Amazons and, you know, and, and people like that. That phrase always kind of bothered me because to me, it was minimizing the hardest part of what we do. I think about it and our business as as really doing fundamentally three things. We take orders, we make pizzas and we get them to our customers. Right. And what I do think is important about what we have been doing as a system and as a company is we have taken each of those three and we've kind of started to take them apart and say, okay. how do we get best in class at all three of those things? The order taking process, I will tell you that I, you know, if I look at what's happening today in the business, there's one thing I'm a little disappointed about, which is we are not 100% digital yet. I thought we were going to get there by now. The reason I think that's so important is not necessarily because as we all know, digital orders are better, more profitable, et cetera. But it's not so much about that because look, if you're at 75, 80% digital, the the gain you get from directly from adding that last 20 or 25% is nice. It will improve your business. But I think what's far more important is what it means in the store for people to be able to focus on the food. And the fact that You know, we could reach the point where no phone calls are coming into the store, I think will actually make us much better at making great, consistent food. Right. It just simplifies things. And so to me. That's where digital can can help. And I know there are a lot of things going on now around, you know, how you can use technology to to make the store run better. And there's a lot of focus around that. You know, look, at the end of the day, what people are going to remember is the quality of the food they're eating. And then you've got the back end and, you know, and the delivery system. And look, we are still way better at that than anybody else out there. I continue to largely dismiss the threat from the third party aggregators. I just don't think they're very good at it. It's interesting because I'll use the corollary. Third party aggregators still believe that they are technology companies. Well, they got their technology working great six, eight, 10 years ago. They're operations companies. And they are still run almost exclusively by technology people who I think really don't get into the nitty gritty of what's gonna improve the delivery experience and, frankly, make it more efficient because the cost of it is just dramatically too high for it to, to really work long term. You've got to look at the business, I think, in those three sections and say, how are you how can you be the best at each of those? Technology can and should take over the order taking process completely. It may be natural voice ordering that gets us across that last bit. So people may still use phones, but, you know, we can we can hopefully get to the point where we just don't have to worry about that in the in the store anymore. And we can spend most of our time focused on, you know, the food and the delivery. And then eventually, I think technology is going to disrupt the delivery side as well. Still probably a ways out.
2: I I don't disagree that I think it's it's probably a little ways out. I mean, we're we're on TV with Neuro right now, but I think we're probably a ways away from that. When you mentioned the aggregators. It's kind of funny because I look at them now like Netflix, right? Because five, six years ago, everybody wanted to give Netflix the content. And then they realized, wait, 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 I can make my own money and not give you any. Yeah. Now everybody's pulling back. And I think we'll see the same thing with them that I think a
1: bigger issue isn't the aggregators. It's when McDonald's decides we want to deliver too. Yep. Yeah. And Don said the same thing. You know, how do you argue with Don May and Patrick Doyle? That would not be smart. I mean, to me, the aggregators, the biggest competition that I see from the aggregators is they're taking away people that we could hire.
0: Well, shame on us if we let that happen. (laughs) True enough. You know, because, you know, look, here is, unless this has changed recently, and I'm pretty sure it has not, the aggregators are making 1.7 deliveries per hour. And there is a certain value... To having a driver who makes 1.7 deliveries an hour and, you know, you're smiling um, you know because this will be public and I know they would love to know our number. I'm not going to give our number, but it's a lot higher than
1: that. Yes, it is.
0: If you've got a driver working at Domino's who is making you know, substantially more deliveries per hour than a driver at Uber or DoorDash. And we can't figure out how to attract that person and pay them better because they are, you know, in a system at Domino's that is creating more value than frankly, shame on us. Because, you know, a driver at Uber Eats or DoorDash creates less value than a driver at Domino's so we should be in a position to you know make sure they are getting compensated both between tips and what we're paying them in mileage reimbursement all of that we should be able to give them a far better compensation package and experience at Domino's than they can get at a third party aggregator. So that's actually on us. That'll be my, you know, my, my challenge to our system is, you know, I know right now that everybody is really struggling to get staffed. I would tell you if there are any drivers in your market who are working for Uber Eats and for DoorDash, and you haven't figured out how to bring those people to work for Domino's, that's on you because they're going to be way more productive working for you than they are for them.
1: I think Drew and I speak to this all the time. Our, our general managers have got to do a better job on a nightly basis telling the drivers how much they made because they don't know. They don't <sighs> track it. I mean, I don't know how they don't track it or why they don't track it, but they just don't know. And you know, these guys are are making great money we've just got to remind them of that i think that's a fantastic idea yeah
0: i saw i saw a, an interview with one of them i can't remember if it was tony at doordash or if it was dara at, at uber and they were talking proudly about the fact that their drivers are making twenty dollars an hour when they're on the clock well, the answer is their drivers are on the clock about half of the time. If you know, if you're making 1.7 deliveries per hour, actually they're on the clock less than half of the time. And when that was pointed out to this person, they said, "Well, but we know that they do things for Instacart and you know other people also." And it's like, come on, you think they are really figuring out how efficient, you know, to efficiently be flipping back and forth in the course of an hour to take 1.7 deliveries and then fill all of the rest of that time. I, uh, no, no, I just, I I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And so, you know, they're making probably if you really, you know, strip it out and say, no, 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 no. When you are driving for them, forget about whether you're on the clock because you've got a, a delivery that you're about to make. What it really means is they're making about 10 bucks an hour.
1: Yeah. And they've got to take care of all their own taxes and with tips. And exactly.
0: And it's like, come on, if we are in any place losing the battle for talent to those guys, that's completely on us.
1: So what I hear you saying is we've got to do a better job of telling the kids out there that want to deliver. We've got to do a better job of telling the real story. This is how much you're going to make for us. This is how much you're really going to make for them. And not yeah. talk bad about them, per se, but definitely talk good about what you can do at Domino's Pizza, along with you know the opportunity.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it look, and, you know, there is the whole gig side and the flexibility and all of that. That's, you know, that that I get and that is attractive for some people. But if you're really trying to make money, this is just should be is and should be a dramatically better place to work.
1: Well, and I think we're uh, addressing that whole gig thing too. the guy that does uh, Wizard Line. Has come up with this gig program for for dominoes so between making more money being with the best pizza company in the world and you know we deliver pizza how fun is that yeah there you go (laughs) and we hit the gig (laughs) piece i I think we could i think we could get to a place where everybody's not worried about if they're going to open their store or not because some people are worried about that on a daily basis yeah so patrick i gotta ask you actively read
2: books sure Cool. part of our podcast each two weeks that we drop when we review a book. Are there some, Is there something you're reading today or, or a top three books that you think that uh, we should be reading as well?
0: So I just finished a book called uh, Heart of Business. It was uh, written by Hubert Jolie, who is the former chairman and CEO of Best Buy. He is now a professor at Harvard Business School, and it's a fabulous read. He just launched it, I think, about 10 days ago. What he really talks about is how... You have to engage people to be a great leader. And the fact that, you know, you've, you've got to find a purpose. You've got to find something that you were trying to accomplish as a business that is going to attract people and excite people and motivate people. It's a it's a terrific read. I don't agree with with everything in the book, as you know, you would expect because he puts a lot out there. But I agree with 80, 90 percent of it. And Hubert, I know well, he recruited me onto the board at Best Buy. I now chair the board at Best Buy, followed him into the chair role. He's a remarkable leader, had amazing success there with a business that everybody thought was dead. When he came in as uh, as as CEO, but what is really compelling there is the idea that you've got to you, you've got to connect with the people in your business in a in a very different way than a lot of leaders do. He will challenge some assumptions there around, you know how much do incentive programs actually make a difference? And you know, it's interesting because You know, look, you can't attract people and retain people in a business if you're not, you know, if you're not compensating them appropriately or well. He then kind of challenges, Okay, we all spend, you know, as leaders of companies, we spend a lot of time looking at our incentive programs and making little tweaks. Think about our our franchise system in the U.S. I mean, you know, 800 or so franchisees. And I'm pretty sure there are 800 or so different incentive programs for their general managers. I don't know if they make that big a difference. You've got to, you've got to pay people well, and you've got to focus them on the things that matter the most in their business. But you know, I don't know that if there were any changes made to my compensation program, you know, over time as CEO of Domino's, I don't think it made any difference as to how I led. None. I mean, it just, you know, okay, we've tweaked the bonus program here and you know the equity program here. It's like I didn't wake up the next day and behave differently as a leader. And you know, I think what ultimately makes the difference in a business is do you have people who really believe in what you are doing as a company and as a system? And can you engage them that way? And if you get them that way, you're going to get terrific results and you're going to have people who are passionate about what you're doing. So
1: great read. As far as the compensation piece, everywhere that I, travel to the newest general managers always say we're not paying enough we're not paying enough and one of the things i like to say is i want you to go down the street and there's a banner in front of every qsr place and i want you to find the one that's paying the highest and go in and ask them what their turnover rate and my bet is it's the highest in town, and they're just trying to buy their applicant strength. You know, I'm a big believer in exactly what you just said, and exactly what Hubert said is that we've got to pay fairly. But it seems even more today, I'll ask managers what their bonus plan is, and they don't even know. Right. They have no idea. And it just seems like money is not a huge driver for today's workforce. And I think it's so important for us to find those ways to connect with them and to get them to feel like they're part of bigger something bigger than they are I'm so glad you said that because I mean I think it I think it's true Drew what do you what do you think oh it's absolutely
2: true at the rally that you gave that fabulous video to I did a piece on the uh, employee value proposition because it's a little bit about wage but it's a whole lot about enjoyment and if you don't like where you work I don't think you can pay anybody enough money this day just ask the Amazon warehouses <laughs> yeah no kidding
0: Patrick what's keeping you busy these days? primary thing I'm doing is I affiliated with Carlisle, Big Private Equity Group, love the people there. Basically, we are working together to try to find some businesses to buy where we think there's an opportunity to create a whole lot of value by bringing you know, technology to bear, kind of looking for ways that their business model can be transformed. And I've been working with them now for about 18 months. The pandemic slowed things down, so I can tell you that so far I am exactly over for the program. Program on buying businesses, but that'll change soon enough. I'm excited to do it, and and when you know when we find some great businesses to buy, my role is going to be as a as an active board member or as a chair. Early on, I will spend a lot of time on the business, making sure we've got the right team in place and the right strategy for the business. And, you know, over the course of six or nine or twelve months, back off and and be, you know, more just a, a typical board member, let that team run their business and and then we start looking for the next one. And, you know, what that means is over time we'll probably have two or three or four of those going at any given time. It's really interesting. You know, I'm looking at at you know some businesses that are completely different than what I know. So it's just challenging for me to try to get my my head around them and, you know, understand what's really creating value, etc. And then the other thing is, is I chair the board at Best Buy. The CEO there, Corey Berry, who happens to be on the board of my favorite pizza company, is a stunningly great leader. She is really fabulous and she's built a terrific team around her so what that really means is that my job as chair is pretty light duty because they're doing so well and they're so good at it but that is the other thing that uh, that I'm spending time on but the finding some businesses to buy is really what I'm spending most of
1: my time on how long has she been the CEO at Best Buy she's been the CEO for
0: 2 years now i was i became lead director I don't know, three years ago, something like that. And it was kind of part of a, of a bit of a transition. You know, Uber, who I mentioned before, was chairman and CEO. I became lead director because you need a, an independent lead when the when the chair is also the CEO. And then uh, then. Corey became CEO two years ago. Uber became exec chair for a year. And then a year ago, rolled off as exec chair and I became chair.
1: So what would you say Corey is trying to change the most at Best Buy since she got there? Because I've noticed a difference as a customer at Best Buy and when you said she'd been there for two years, some things started to line up for me in my head. So I'm curious what her focus is on because I want to see if it matches my experience.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, she's been CEO for, for two years, but she's been at the company for you know 20 plus years. Okay. And the really big
1: thing is
0: as technology is becoming bigger and bigger in people's lives, I think what we've gotten our head around at, at Best Buy is that it's about making technology work for the customers. And there are a lot of different places that customers want to engage with you. But what Best Buy does uniquely now is, you know, they have a terrific e-commerce platform that is now, I think, 30, 35% of their business, something like that. You can still go into their stores and, and they will help you there, but it is a much less salesy environment than it was a decade ago these are people who are really trying to consult with you and understand what your needs are and get you the best solution and then importantly they've got geek squad they you know and and they will send designers into your home and look at your systems and you say look i want to You know, in my basement, I want to do a big home theater and, you know, and all the rest of it. And they'll go into your home and they'll look at everything and they may walk out and say, look, the most important thing you got to do is upgrade your router. You've got a fair amount of good equipment in here, but nothing's working well because... Your router isn't, you know, isn't good. And so they're trying to help people. So they still compete with Costco and Target and, you know, and Amazon to sell consumer electronics. But all of those competitors will simply sell you consumer electronics. You can't call Amazon and say, my phone isn't working. I can't get it to update. I can't, my home theater isn't working well. So they're all of the focus at Best Buy now is, how you serve the customer's technology needs in the way that they want you to do that. And, you know, the, the percentage of the business now that is a customer walking into a store, interacting there with a, what used to be salespeople, buying
1: something and walking back out is, is now less than 50% of the business. Wow. Yeah, my experience has been, you know, I'm 100% digital with Best Buy now. Good man.
0: I, I rarely go into the <laughs> store to buy anything. Oh, okay. I thought we got a hundred percent of your business.
1: That's what I'm hoping for. Um, pretty close. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> pretty close. I'm looking at a few dollars from Best Buy as I look around. Uh, the there you That's go. <laughs> yeah, it's same here. Same here. It's funny you mentioned the
2: router because literally ten minutes before we started this with you, mine decided it was time to to. To not function anymore. So I hear you on that. I know a
0: place that will will get you a great router, Drew. <laughs> we can solve for that.
2: Well, and if you're looking for a consultancy to buy, <laughs> we can talk after the podcast. And can- <laughs> not,
0: not around technology because you let your router die, Drew. Oh
1: I locked into that one,
0: my friend. <laughs> it did.
2: Totally. Holy, just put up a sign <laughs> that said, hit me here. Holy
1: cow. All right. Well, thank you so much for the time. We truly appreciate it. It was fantastic. And it's just, it's always great to be around you, Patrick.
0: Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Drew. Really a pleasure. Appreciate inviting me. Pleasure's all ours. Thanks so much for coming on. All
1: right. Thanks again to Patrick Doyle for spending so much time with us. So much, in fact, that we broke it up into two parts. Let's hear from the last time you're going to hear about the minicon coming up, about expectations accountability and celebrations. And again, make sure you do that today because time is running out. Or if you're listening to this past the 20th, time has run out and you missed it, but there'll be more.
2: Hey, Sam, we've discussed so many topics in this podcast, but I thought it was time for us to stop talking and start training.
1: That's a great idea, Drew. Hey, listeners, join us on July 20th for Drew and Sam Train Leadership. It's a mini-con event.
2: During that event, you'll hear from a keynote speaker. You'll choose from two of three breakouts full-fledged expectations, holding them able with accountability and
1: recognized with an impact. But wait, there's more. You'll also have an opportunity to network with our other listeners of this podcast. Now, on some podcasts, you may pay
2: hundreds of dollars for this two hours, but no, with us, just $49 gets you access to this event.
1: Wow, what a bargain. To register, go to trainwithbty.com. That's trainwithbty.com, all one word,
2: T-R-A-I-N dot ycom Do it today. What are you waiting for? That was another ad for the minicon. Like we said in the beginning of this, use the code GM as in general manager, GM, all caps, GM, to get 10 bucks off up until July 19th. We'll see you on July 20th. If it's already passed, well, sign up for the next one. Hey, Willie, why don't you play it?
1: All the road again. Just can't wait to get off. Sam, where are you heading out next? So I'm pretty excited heading to Cortland, New York. Going to be helping a new general manager get onboarded. This guy is gung-ho. He's ready to do some learning. I'm ready to do some teaching. His handle's Domino's Dave on the Facebook. So should see some stuff from him there. And then I head off to Maine to do a couple of days of training for Fernando and his team. And we're going to talk all about uh, leadership. And my guess is we're going to talk a little bit about retention. How about you, Drew? Where are you headed to? Well, let's
2: see. Right now, um, I'm here. There's this uh, mini-con thing we've been talking about. I've got yeah. a little bit of prep work to do. Make sure the tech works this week and then have that mini-con. Then after that, I'm uh, heading off to see Kenny Cobb and launch his learning
1: hub. Been doing a lot of that uh, learning hub launching. Are your clients finding some value in that? You know, it's amazing, Sam, that uh, training always finds value. Nice. So, I like it. Well, listen, I think that wraps up episode 13. Should we land this plane? Let's do that before we end up at a three-hour podcast. All right. Thanks so much for listening to episode 13. We'd love it if you'd share these episodes with your friends. Like them, follow us, and subscribe. If you subscribe and you haven't yet, now is the time to do it because you could be entered into a raffle to win a copy of this week's book, Clone Yourself by Jeff Hilderman. This has been episode 13 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam with Bowser Consulting. Go out and sell more pizzas. And have more fun.